All right, so John 15, 1 through 17. These are the words of God. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch that is in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this is my Father glorified. Pay special note to this verse. By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Note verse 11. These things I have said to you, I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Verse 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So whatever you ask in the, ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and just thank you for the opportunity to study your word. Father, we thank you that you've given us your scripture and that you desire to make yourself known and that you desire to have a relationship with us. You desire to call us your children and for us to believe that we are your children and that you love us. We ask that you would speak to our hearts, that you would convict us when we uh, have gone astray that you would correct us and that you would uh, direct us back towards you. And we pray that you would use your word to do these things. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So when I was a kid, uh, I really, really wanted to grow an apple tree. How many of you guys have ever tried like cutting up an apple and like eating it and then like taking the seeds? Have you ever tried like planting it in your backyard? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Um, so I lived, actually, funnily enough, when I was a kid, I lived in a small town called Fruitland, Idaho. That was the name of the town that I'm from. It's about like 1,200 people or so. Um, 
And I remember uh, a very specific time where I was, I was determined. I was going to eat this apple. I was going to take the seeds. And I was going to take them out back, you know, on the, the property because we had this big field back there. And I was going to plant them. And I was going to come out and water it every single day. And, you know, in no time flat, there was going to be an apple tree in my backyard. And so I, that's what I did. I ate the apple. I planted the seeds. And then each day for, you know, a few days... Um, I, I came out there and I watered it and I watered it. And then after a few days, still nothing had popped up and I was really frustrated. And so I kind of got a little bit less and less faithful to water this thing. And then eventually I forgot where I planted it. And, uh, and so I just kind of started watering in the general vicinity. You know, if you water in the big area, it's got to it's gotta get it, right? And then, you know, after a while I just kind of gave up because I couldn't remember where it was. So <laughs> all of that I share because I really wanted fruit, right? I really wanted this tree to grow up, and I wanted to have my own apple tree. Um, if you noticed throughout this passage, fruit is a big theme. Uh, if you count how many times, I want to say it's eight times in just 17 verses that this idea of bearing fruit comes up. This idea of fruit comes up eight times. And I told you to pay special attention to verse 8 because verse 8 says, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. And so kind of the main theme of this passage, it is glorifying the Father by bearing fruit. Glorifying the Father by bearing fruit. But not only that, Jesus, in the previous, previous chapter, he's kind of spent a lot of time talking about his relationship to us. In fact, in one of the verses in chapter 14, he says, you don't, don't you believe that I am in you and you in me, right? It's this really close relationship. And so as a, as a good teacher, as a good illustrator, Jesus gives these disciples, he gives them a picture. And the picture is a vine. And so I thought, what the heck? Why not put a vine on the screen so you guys can see, kind of have a little bit of a mental image of like what we're talking about. Um, But, so check this out. If you can imagine, this is Jesus. This is you. You, right there. And then this is the fruit of your life. Okay? So, Jesus, you, fruit. Um, (laughs) uh, So the reason that I bring that up is because that's the metaphor that Jesus uses in this passage. He says, if you notice, that branch is connected to that that larger branch, to that vine, right? And the result of that connection is... Grapes is fruit, right? And so that's what Jesus is really getting at here in this passage. Over and over again, you see him say, abide in me, abide in me, and you will bear fruit, right? And that's kind of this this theme of Jesus is saying is, as you abide in me, as you dwell with me, you will bear fruit. And we talked a little bit last week about what that fruit looks like. It looks like uh, what Paul says in Galatians 5, where he says that the fruit of your life, if you're in 
uh, close relationship with Jesus, if you are, uh, another way of saying is if you are united to Jesus, if you are in, in relationship with Christ, the fruit of your life looks like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so all of those are the grapes, by the way, in case you're wondering. That's what, that's what those are. Um, <laughs> and so in this passage, the, the question that we have to ask, okay, so if the Father is glorified by us bearing much fruit, then maybe you've asked yourself this question, how do we grow as Christians? How do we bear fruit as Christians? That, and if you've asked yourself that question, that's a good thing. In fact, every, every believer, every Christian who is walking with Jesus is going to ask themselves that question at some point. And it's a good question because it's so easy for us to get frustrated in our walk with Christ when we look at the sin that's still in our hearts and, and all of the, the stupid things that we want um, and all of the stupid things that we do, it's so easy to get frustrated. But it's, so, it's such a simple thing for us to, to bear fruit. In fact, there's really, in this passage, there's only two things that Jesus tells us is necessary for us to bear fruit. It's the first is to abide, and the second is to be pruned. Or if you want ing on both of them like me, because I like things symmetrical, abiding and pruning. These are the two things that are necessary for us as Christians if we are going to grow. So let's talk about what, what does it mean to abide? What does it mean to abide? Um, if you look at verse four, Jesus says, says, if you abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And then look once more at verse 10, where he says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. So, abiding. Now, if you look at chapter 14, verse 23, um, Jesus gives this really just um, tender, amazing illustration of our home with God, that we are a home for God. If you read verse, uh, chapter 14, verse 23, he says, Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Now that word home there is almost the exact same Greek word that Jesus uses when he says abide, okay? So to abide, put simply, means to dwell, to remain. And so the idea that's being conveyed here, when Jesus says abide in me, he's saying dwell with me. He's saying remain with me. A very practical example of that is as we are as you know, Lily, as you're going about your school day and you're, you know, going through classes and, and all that kind of stuff, a very practical example of what it means to abide is to acknowledge 
not only Jesus's authority over your life, but also to acknowledge his presence with you and to, to spend time in prayer. And it doesn't have to be, well, you have to like sit down and in the middle of everything and, and do this, but you can pray in your heart, right? That's what it means to dwell with, with God. It means that whatever you're doing, you acknowledge not only his authority over your life, but the fact that he is with you at every moment and you can speak to him at any moment because God dwells within you. That's what he said in 1423. He says that you are a home for the triune God. God dwells within you and you can have communion, you can have a relationship, you can have conversation with him throughout the day. And so that's what it means to abide. It simply means to remain, to stay in close connection. But there's another thing that is very closely related to abiding, and that's obeying. And the relationship between these two things is kind of like what we talked about last week, that as you abide, fruit produces, right? As you abide, you obey. So obedience is the natural outpouring or natural outflow of abiding. So for instance, um, if this, this small branch here is remaining, is dwelling with, it's remaining connected to the main vine, and you don't, what you don't see is that little branch like straining and screaming trying to produce grapes, right? It's just the grapes naturally, are, naturally grow because of the relationship between the branch and the vine. And so obedience is a, is a natural, um, natural outflow or outpouring of our abiding with Christ, of our relationship with Christ. And so the problem that we have as Christians is a lot of times we focus so much on obeying. I got to do this and I got to do this and I got to do this. And Jesus is saying, no, your focus is wrong. You abide with me, dwell with me, have a relationship with me. And then the result of that relationship with Christ is obedience. Because uh, someone once said that you become that which you behold. Or another way of saying is like what you look at, listen to, take in, you kind of become like that thing. Um, For instance, like if you hang around with um, for instance, like my wife and I, um, there's certain phrases that like I'll say that she has said that I'll just randomly pick up and then I'll say them. And then I've noticed the same, uh, for instance, like a, a nickname for our dog uh, that I say is Bubba. And <laughs> it was just kind of a weird, a random nickname. And then I've noticed just over the last like week or, week or so, my wife has been calling him that too. And so it's just funny, the, the more that you're around a person, you begin to take on their characteristics. And so the exhortation here, the encouragement, is the more that you are around Jesus, the more that you are, like he says in verse 7, the more that his words are abiding in you, the more you, the characteristics of Jesus will come out in your life. The more that you are abiding with Jesus, the more of Jesus will come out in the way that you think, talk, and, and act. Now, I should also mention that 
if you look at verse 11, he says, the reason that I'm telling you these things about abiding and the necessity of pruning, the reason that I'm telling you these is because I want my joy to be in you and I want your joy to be full. You see, as sinful, fallen human beings, the Bible tells us that sin controls our heart, that it has affected not only our thoughts, but also our, uh, what we love and what we desire, okay? And so what happens as a result of that is we often think things that we shouldn't, want things that we shouldn't, and do things that we shouldn't, right? And so what Jesus is doing here is he's doing this amazing kind of this corrective where he's saying that, you know, you might think that joy comes from having a relationship with this guy or this girl, or you might think that joy comes from, you know, getting that next great video game or whatever it is that we find our joy in other than God. And what God is saying, what Jesus is saying to us in this passage is he's saying that I want you to abide in me and obey because when you abide in me and when you obey, that's when you find the deepest joy in life. And you can ask TJ, you can ask me, you can ask my wife, you can ask Jen, you can ask any of the leaders. There is something that is just so amazing about abiding in Christ and obeying Christ, it does produce joy in your life, a joy that, you know, getting a new car or getting all of these material things or these relationships, relationship with Christ has a deeper joy than all of those things, than all of those things combined. There's a really cool song um, sadly, the gentleman who wrote it is no longer walking with the Lord. Um, but there's, it's this amazing song by a dude named uh, Dustin Kinsrew. Um, and uh, the song is called It's Not Enough. And in the song, he's listing like all these things that he could have, right? And then the, the chorus is, it's not enough. It's not enough. And the, the reality is, is that the human heart is made for relationship with Jesus Christ, is made for God. And when we are in relationship with God, that's when we find the deepest and longest lasting joy. You will not find it anywhere else. You might find it temporarily, but the problem is everything that you would seek to find joy in other than God will eventually go away. It will eventually die or whatever. And so Jesus is saying here, he's saying, I want my joy to be in you. And the way that you will have the fullest joy is if you abide in me. So that's point number one, abiding. Now, point number two, I'm gonna have to go fairly quickly over Uh, because we're supposed to start groups in about one minute. Um, (laughs) So point uh, point number two is this. So we've talked about abiding, and then now we're going to talk about pruning. Um, So look with me at verse two, where Jesus says, 
Every branch that is in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Note that word prunes, that it may bear more fruit. And then verse three, already you are clean. Now, what's interesting is that those, the two word prune and clean, in the Greek, those are very closely related. And so what we can derive from that is that not only does God prune through life circumstances, but he also prunes us through the scriptures. I'll give you an example. You guys know what pruning is, by the way? Yeah? So pruning basically is, you know, you're cutting away the dead stuff, all the stuff that's unnecessary. But the point of this cutting away is to make way for new growth, right? Um, I'll, give you an, I'll give you two examples from my own life of uh, pruning. And so there's, there's a couple of tools that God uses. And there's, there's more, but these are two that are fairly obvious to us in the passage. Uh, he uses scripture and he uses life circumstances. Um, I'll give you the... So for life circumstances, um, a couple years ago, I had a friend who had hurt me pretty bad. And uh, I remember reading uh, through this book, and in the book, he talks about the nature of forgiveness, and he says that forgiveness, uh, biblically speaking, is we must forgive one another as God in Christ forgave you. So the standard of forgiveness is God's forgiveness of you and me. That's a pretty high standard of forgiveness, and I was so convicted and angry at the time. I was like, man, I don't want to forgive that much. Like, you know, if, I, if, I, if I'm not seething with rage, like, that should be enough, right? But no. And so in that, that passage of Scripture, forgive one another as God and Christ forgave you, God kind of just cut to the, cut to the right to the heart. And it was painful in that moment because I knew that I was falling short. I knew that I wasn't forgiving as God had forgiven me. But it was a necessary pain because it led to me changing and repenting of my sin and changing direction and actually seeking reconciliation with this person. So that's an example of God using scripture. And I'm sure we've all, all the leaders, you can ask us, we've had moments, TJ has one from uh, Romans 6 where he always talks about in group time, it's a good passage, um, where the Lord has just used scripture to say, this is something that we need to work on. This is something that we need to change. Um, but another, another instance is uh, life circumstances. Um, so some of you know that my, uh, my search for a pastoral job, the journey that led me here was kind of a long one. Um, a lot of high, emotional uh, highs but very low lows, um, a lot of like searching and applying and, and a lot of closed doors. And I remember, um, I remember one night, like just praying and spending time with the Lord and just being like, why have you bothered to give me this desire to pastor? Why have you bothered to give me this desire to pray if you're just going to frustrate that desire, if you're not going to let it come to pass? And what I found out through this whole thing is that the reason that God had said no so many times 
is because I had so built up this idea of being a pastor, of being uh, someone who is a, a teacher, that I was basically worshiping that thing. It was such an idol in my heart. I needed it to be happy, right? And so through this whole process, God used all of these no, 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 and then some more no's. He used all of it, and God showed me by the end of it, it's like, you so worship this idea of being a pastor that it literally destroys your happiness if you don't have it. And so what God taught me is that I don't need to be a pastor to do ministry. You don't need to be a pastor to do ministry. You just need to follow Jesus and share Jesus with other people and love others like Jesus would love them. That's how you do ministry. And when I learned that, I was a, a nut and bolt salesman at a, a company called Champion Bolt and Supply. And there was such a flood of contentment. I was like, I could do whatever I want. I could sell nuts and bolts for the rest of my days. And I could be happy doing that because I was where God wanted to, me to be in that moment. But God used those circumstances that were painful. Many, many tears, many tears. He used those painful circumstances to show me something in my life that I was, that I was focusing on, that I was worshiping more than him. I was so set on having this thing that I wasn't even satisfied in my relationship with Christ. And this is relevant for your life because we need to have our eyes open to the fact that God sometimes will use painful circumstances or he will use scripture that sometimes cuts like a knife. But the reason that he's doing that because he, is because he wants to produce more Jesus in you, more Christ-like characteristics, more fruit in your life. And the only way that he can do that is if he can remove the idols of your heart, remove the things that you are giving more time and attention to than him. And sometimes that's a painful process but God has ultimately promised that even that, that painful process, he is doing it for your good. If you don't have Romans 8.28 memorized, you should. Because that's what that verse is all about. Um, so all of that to say, let me sum up, is that God uses abiding and pruning to produce fruit in our life, a type of fruit that remains and glorifies the Father. But the primary thing that we need to be focusing on as followers of Jesus is abiding in Christ, is spending time with Jesus because you become like the person that you spend the most time with. So the question that we have to be asking ourselves is, what are we spending our time on? Are we spending our time on, you know, TV, books, video games, these other things that are less important than our relationship with Christ? Let's pray, and then we're going to go into our groups. Um,
Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your word that sometimes cuts like a knife. But it's good. You are good, Father. You are wise in the way that you prune us because you prune us in such a way that you will produce more fruit in our lives. So we're so thankful that you love us enough to do that, Lord. So I pray that you would bless our groups now. I pray that you would help us to really, um, really dig into our relationship with you. I pray that you would help us to find our joy in you and in you alone. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.